Hello, and welcome back to Not So Silent Reading with Charlotte and Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Char. Hello. How's it going? Is it wonderful? I'm glad to be back. I also would say, like, not to toot our own horn, but look at us uh, doing a podcast a month already on on schedule. <laughs> on schedule, exactly. I think I like having it. a theme like, helps. Starts us. off the month fresh with a new episode. Yeah. Totally. A nice reason to like check in and like have a little downtime together and chat about these books. I'm very curious to think to like know what you thought about this book. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, but one of the takeaways from our last conversation and then now kind of I think where we're gonna go with this conversation, um, was we talked like last time like about having a little bit more like self-compassion. And so I thought it would be like a nice thing to like because you know, we kind of like end on like recommendations or like what are you reading? I thought it would be nice to like start with like how have we like shown ourselves some compassion over the last few weeks. Oh, I like it. A little retrospective. And- yeah, exactly. Not and to be should... too techie, but yes, it's a retro. <laughs> um, it's a debrief. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> we should remind people last week we read, or last week, last month we read Burnout by Emily Nagoski and, or sorry, Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. Um, yes. And yeah, they talked about self-compassion. That's a good point. You know, I had completely forgotten about that point about the book. Yes, <laughs> I was thinking about it. And, you know, and we're also going to dive in and talk about the body keeps the score. And there's a part of that that's also self-compassion. And I feel like if we're doing this kind of series or this kind of season, that's a little bit more um, how to better take care of ourselves. Maybe we could practice what we read. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So do you, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? I'll kick us off. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, thinking about self-compassion, I um, am having like some frustrations at work. Uh, I, you know, if, if you are a person who reads headlines in 2023, um, you have been seeing lots of like layoffs and budget impacts and this fear about a recession. Um, and I have not been laid off, but I have had my like role um, impacted. And so it's been very frustrating because they're one of the things that I have struggled with is like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I kind of like have talked to myself in circles about like, at least like if I was phoning it in or like not doing a good job or like had poor performance and then had like a career setback, like I would have some sense of like why it happened. I would have some control or like accountability for like what I did to get me there. Um, and then like I could figure out how to like get back on track. But these are just fully outside sources. I did terrific. <laughs> um, and I still got knocked down. Um, and I think that there is a part of my brain that was like loud at first and now I've quieted it down. That's like, you should have known better. Like you should have figured out how to like outsmart this. Like other people are navigating career stuff. Like why is this such a struggle for you? Uh, because my internal brain is very rude. Um, and so I have like that kind of story going on. And then as I was thinking like about it and like also talking to my therapist about it, um, she was like, it's interesting because like you're like telling me a story of betrayal um, when you talk about your job and I said just full gasp drama gasp I said that is exactly how it feels um and what I struggle with is like I want to be part of the problem so that theoretically I could be part of the solution and sometimes I'm just not part I mean oftentimes I am part of the problem but this time I'm not <laughs> part of the problem um and so that kind of forced me to be like patient with myself to like let myself feel 
both like hurt and betrayed <laughs> by this professional relationship. Um, and also like feel okay with like, I could try to find a way to be productive, but for a while it's okay if I just am hurt and betrayed and maybe my capitalistic sensibilities don't need me to produce my way out of feeling hurt. Um, and so that has been a journey for the last few weeks, but I feel like I, it was hard at first. And then I like saw myself kind of getting there and I was like, Oh, this is what we talk about. <laughs> um, so that was like a nice kind of moment um, of just like, it feels terrible because you have never had to really do it before of just like sitting in a bad feeling and not like immediately pivoting. <laughs> um, but I've been trying to do it and like kind of let myself kind of feel, feel all of the discomfort of it uh, before I move forward. Well, I think it's awesome that you're, you recognize that. And I mean, it does make me sad to me to, to um, know that you are hard on yourself about like, oh, I got to find the next thing because like, how could you not be hurt? I think I, I feel like, I mean, professional relationships are similar. I mean, they're relationships. So at the end, we feel all the same emotions. I think that we feel in, you know, even non-professional relationships. Um, I also feel like it's sometimes family, like a relationship where it's like, you're kind of like entwined in ways that you're not in romantic or like friendships. Like it is like, you know, you got to come with the one who brought you um, or stick with the one who pays you. <laughs> um, yeah. And then trying, to, yeah, I think all of that is complicated and nuanced. Yeah. And I, I mean, y- you have always figured out like the next thing and, you know, how to move forward. So it's not that you're not, that won't happen. It's okay to take time to, like you said, sit in the feeling. Um, yeah. although as I'm saying that I'm thinking on my own, like last four weeks since we last talked or recorded and my own journey with self-compassion. And that's been really hard <laughs> too. Yeah. So easier said <laughs> done, for sure. uh, and hopefully just like getting into like the, the practice of it or like thinking about recognizing it when we do do it or when we attempt it or like why we're failing at it, I think is also going to be a part of this might just be helpful as we get used to it. I, um, like have been dealing a lot the past couple months with, um, I don't know if I would say it's depression per se, but like just a mix of a lot of different things going on in different parts of my life that have made it very hard. And I think the thing on the, the cherry on top is that I'm, I live in a place now that is not great for seasonal depression. And I know this about myself, um, that seasonal depression is really hard and, uh, this winter has been particularly brutal. Um, so I have been very, and I was very resistant to like getting back help. Like I've, I had gone to therapy for a long time and kind of like last year was like hoping to, you know, graduate at least for the time being from therapy. And I had to kind of acknowledge that earlier this month, like humble myself and be like, okay, like it's not working just on my own. So I have to go back and, um, I think I was pretty tough on myself about that, but now that you're bringing this up, I will practice self-compassion. It's really not until this moment that I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay if I can't do it all by myself or if I need some support that I wish I no longer needed. Um, yeah. I feel like January. Yeah, totally. Um, like new year, same tools. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I also feel like it's so uh, I, difficult to just like 
have the like right like sense of I, I don't know um like perspective maybe like I think that like what I have found so valuable about like having a therapist is like this is someone whose job it is to just like help me untangle my brain without any like agenda or like you know, relation to my life. Um, not really. She's a deep relationship to my life. If she's listening, I don't want her, you know, <laughs> she, we have a very meaningful relationship. Um, no, but like, I think that there's a piece of it where it, it's like, it's great that I could just dump all my shit on like the table and like, we just sort all the puzzle pieces together. Um, and she's never like, wow, that's a lot of shit you dumped today. Or like some days I feel like I'm like, I'm in a good mood. Like I don't have anything to talk to you about. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Like it's my job <laughs> to pull these threads. You don't ever have to think about like our agenda if you don't want to. Um, and just like having that has been like such like a pillar, even like when I don't feel like I'm in crisis, like that's, I think that that's what I'm trying to to stick this landing on like I don't feel like therapy is only for when I'm in crisis I think it's really helping me shore up skills so that I have less seasons of crisis and more kind of stability working through and progress so I think that the the wishing that like you didn't need the support is like really real like I think we all kind of wish we could just be the best versions of ourselves, the tampon commercial versions of ourselves, Um, you know, playing tennis in a white skirt in the middle of my period. Uh, But I'm not, not that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Because definitely the shit I put on my table for puzzle pieces will be tampons. Yeah, no, those are all good. I think good reminders. And it's been, um, it's just been like a hard start to the new year. I think I would say generally, yeah, yeah, maybe need to be more compassionate about it, but, um, it's also hard to, I think, change your habits when you're not feeling great about things, right? Like it's like, totally. um, so I think that we should consider going on the Jewish new year in September, give it that back to school vibe. Um, because I feel like I'm more motivated than, than I am ever in January. Yeah, I'm coming off a Christmas sugar high January 1st. I'm not my, not my best. <laughs> um, I can't do the whole 30 in January. Catch me in October. <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's, I did try this. Um, I can't remember if I talked about this last time. I'm trying to do this minimalism challenge in January where like Ooh. every day. So day one, you get rid of one thing. Day two, you get rid of two. Day three, you get three. Day of rid of three things either donate or you know discard or or sell and then by day 30 you're giving away 30 things on the last day Mm -hmm. and that was my challenge myself for January and I got about halfway through and now I'm on day 15 and I'm just like perpetually stuck and it's February so (laughs) I'm also going to be compassionate about myself about like it's okay I'm not going to finish in 30 days but I will finish it at some point later this year and that's fine um but it's been really um that's also been really nice to like, I don't know. I know it sounds cheesy, but like getting rid of things to make right up to make space for new things, you know, yeah. even if it's just like t-shirts in your closet or something like, you know, oh I don't know if there's something a little bit ritualistic about it for me. So totally love that. That's great. It's been a fun little project, but again, harder, it's hard to find 50, like when you're like, okay, 15 things, but then the next day is like 16 things and you're like, oh my God, I got to do this all over again. Yeah. What am I doing? Get, getting rid of my silverware? Like that's too many things. <laughs> so I, did, I did get rid of um all these business cards that I had been holding on to for like 
10 years. I don't know why. Um, and I finally sat down and put them all in an Excel spreadsheet because I was too like nervous to just throw out the cards, even though I will, I don't even remember half these people that I met who knows where, and we'll probably never contact them again. But I was like, okay, in order to let them go, this is what I need to do. So I said, (laughs) but there were 350 business cards. And I was like, do I count each one as a thing? Like technically they're each thing, but I think it kind of is like not the spirit of the, (laughs) of your challenge. Yeah. You know, didn't listen. Yeah. What I'm hearing is you got extra credit for that day's <laughs> challenge. <laughs> um, but, oh, okay, it. so today, today's okay. book, are we jumping? We're jumping in now that we started off with that. But I like uh, doing that. Let's do that again for next yeah. time. Yeah. So okay, we'll good. Recap of how things have been going. Yeah, I like that too. We'll check in. Yeah. So t- today is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's right. Um, so. But uh, so I'm curious where you first heard about this book. Cause I heard about it from a friend a couple years ago and then have like heard about it. Like have heard that phrase used over and over again, like the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. And so it was always kind of like, Oh, I should maybe check that out. But I just like, didn't dive in until we decided to do it. Yeah. Um, I also had like a friend kind of refer it to me um, a couple years ago too, I believe. Uh, and then I, I feel like I heard it a few more times. Um, and then I think it popped up on some lists about like best nonfiction, best kind of like uh, whatever books for, you know, whatever it was. Um, so that was kind of how I'd been hearing about it. And then um, it had been on my radar and like, I was on, there was a long waiting list at the library for it. And I was like, okay, like clearly lots of demand for this. Um, and then I ended up using my last audible, uh, credit for this. And so I was listening to it, which I feel like was both good and bad. Cause I feel like I like would <laughs> stop what I was doing and like go to my computer to like write notes real quick. And I kind of wish I had a Kindle to add notes to, or a paper version to ha- add notes to, but I, you know, just listening to it as I was doing my chores around the apartment. And I, I would like sit and pause and like think about what was being said. And it was, it really, uh, I was surprised. I thought I knew what I was getting into with this book and I was wrong. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Yeah. When we first started or when, after we decided to do it, I was like, again, like join the list, the waiting list at the library for the audiobook and the book and was like, whichever one comes first, because the waiting list was so long. Right. I got the audiobook first. So I started that. And honestly, I did not like it. And again, this is my struggle with audiobooks. I just, I don't know why I love podcasts. I love books. I don't know why I can't do audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> but I got kind of turned off. Um, or not turned off. It's just like, I was like, eh, not interested. Couldn't get past the prologue. And then I like, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like really revisit it until a couple of days ago when you were like, what are we going to tape? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, well, it takes too long to get it from the library. So I ordered it and I've been, and I was kind of like, again, like a little bit like, I don't know, this is, I don't know if I'm into this book, but then I have been like on a tear. It has been so gripping yeah. And I never thought I would say that because some of it is very dense and I yes. usually don't like super dense nonfiction, but it really has like gripped me. Yes. And I will also say one, I have let you do on this pod before where I like could barely get through a book. So please just know you have all of the grace in the world to show up here and be like, 
fuck this book if you want to. <laughs> no, I, I know, but I will say that I didn't 100% finish it. Um, I tried to get through as much as I could and I skipped ahead of some parts, but so I, I feel like I got to 70%. Yeah. But I will oh, yeah. finish it after this. I just. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I also, I also, it was the best. Yeah, I, <laughs> I also finished it today. So, like, I wasn't like great with my timing either on this. Um, but I will say a few things about it, kind of like first impressions. Um, so first impression was like, it starts out very heavy. And so like, I could see why, like, it was hard to kind of get some traction going. Um, I mean, they just drop like fucking bomb after bomb of like terrible stats at the beginning. And like, I'm just like, Oh fuck me. I cannot like read a book. That's going to be about Vietnam veterans and like a shocking amount of incest. Like that's not going to be my 2023. Um, but like it, it moves on. Uh, eventually but like there's just like heavy heavy topics very early on um that like are just like you you know reading is like a leisure and like joyful activity for me and I think also for you that like I just cannot be spending it this way when I could be reading fantasy books (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) or romance regency romance like can't deal with this but I got through um I was shocked at how much um I mean they talk a lot about childhood abuse and I was shocked about the stats about how many people have been affected by that I was really like, blown away I was like I it's a went to look at or it's, I, I mean, it's not really talked about that much but yeah like- so he, I wrote some of these stats down so um in like early chapters he kind of talks about these like CDC statistics and like um one in five Americans was molested as a child one in four was beaten by a parent one in four grew up with alcoholic relatives and one in three couples engage in physical violence and so those are all pretty traumatic things that happen like at a much greater rate than like I had thought or anticipated um and then he talks a lot of bit about like the knowledge or like the kind of like uh expertise of like of the day for a while was that incest happens but like to one in one million americans or something shocking like that like like rare like extremely rare but then like the the author of like the tree whatever who was talking about what happens with incest was like it's probably fine like people affected by incest are probably less likely to be psychologically damaged down the line so it's like once again like who the fuck writes medical books and like the medical institution is not great <laughs> just as a baseline um and then also like that's a obviously gets kind of debunked later um as it being more common and like um there's also some interesting stats about um childhood incest being like an indicator for serial killers like you know, just terrible stats all around. Um, so that's how you kind of like enter into this book and you're like, oh boy, like this is going to be tough all around. Um, but then it starts to kind of like get a little bit more broadly applicable um, and less like d- deeply distressing. Um, but the point of all of that is like that trauma affects most people in some way or the other. And then I think it's also just worth saying um, that like you don't have to have like the worst end of the spectrum of trauma to have it be trauma like whatever is traumatic Mm -hmm. to you could could be is is traumatic um it's not like well I don't have that bad because like at least I'm not getting molested like you know like it's not uh this kind of comparison and like minimizing of like our own experiences um and I felt felt like that was like a a takeaway I had kind of early on as I was thinking about like how am I going to talk about this (laughs) 
Well, and he, after he goes through the intro of, like, a lot of these stats, then he gets into more the, like, science or the biology of, like, just the neurobiology of how our brain is set up and wired. And I thought that part was absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I had, I feel like I've read over the years of, like, things about, like, our brain reacts, you know, we have, like, this reptilian brain that, like, is in fight or flight or freeze mode when we feel a threat coming on and, you know, anxiety can like be a factor or a symptom of that. But like his, he goes like much more in depth than I've ever read before. And also I feel like it is still approachable. I mean, there were definitely some terms I didn't understand, but overall you kind of get the gist. And I just felt like it was a really, it really like, I don't know, clarified for me, like, oh, why do when I, when I get stressed or angry, like, why do I, cause sometimes I react in those ways that are very like these outbursts that are hard for me to like control or like I get really upset about or anxious about something. And I just don't know why I'm reacting that way. And it, he like kind of explains like what, what is happening in your body, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that there's, um, I mean, there's like a section in the book too, where they, he talks about like how, when people are describing certain things, like their voices and mannerisms change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I will sometimes like hear myself talking, like, why do I sound like so bizarre right now? And I think it's like my stress response is like coming out and how I'm like interacting with people. Um, and I think all of that is like really interesting. And um, you know, he talks a lot about the DSM, which is whatever the uh, manual for um, diagnostics Um uh behavioral no i don't know whatever the dsm stands for um but he's like you know sometimes like the diagnose diagnosis is like not the whole like encompassing thing like sometimes we misdiagnose or like you know the the politics of what gets into the book can be a little bit of like a problem but i feel like i've heard from both people and the tv show crazy (laughs) ex-girlfriend that sometimes the diagnosis is useful in like feeling like one you're not alone um and two like there's a reason your body is doing the thing that it's doing. And even if you don't fully understand what it is yet, like somebody knows more and can like help you kind of find relief. Um, And so I thought that that was like an interesting part of this as well as like, as they think about like what has worked and like what, um, how they kind of like will bring people through a process um, to show, to show them, you know, like that the the touch of their husband is also not the touch of like their rapist or like how to kind of differentiate um, because the, the body, piece is so visceral that you can't reason with that reaction um until until you made all this other progress um yeah what um is there anything that like struck you as like particularly like revelatory in how you think about your own um like responses to stuff uh yeah there's well there's a couple of things that really struck me was one, um, was he talked a lot about antidepressant drugs and, um, talking about like some of the different drugs, what they do and how they have helped some people, but they've not helped all. And I think one of the great or things that really illuminated for me, which I guess is obvious now, but he's like, you know, we've been, we have all these, um, drugs since for at least 30, 40 years, right. Um, antidepressants. And like, if they completely worked, then we wouldn't be seeing like as much depression as we still see, like there's still a lot of depression even more so. Um, and so it's proof that like, there's not, 
like, yes, they can work for some people or in some cases, but it is not like a cure-all, but that the, because of the big pharma and like lots of money that can be made from it, um, there's very few studies that um, look at other ways to uh, come at this issue and that most of the studies are around medical intervention, which I thought was interesting. Totally. Um, That's the same point too, about like, if, if it was about like, just like a chemical imbalance um, in your brain and the medicine would fix it. And then we could, you know, manage depression that way. Like why would the rates be at the, at where they are? Like if, if this was something that we could just treat well with medication, like shouldn't then the numbers be able to come down um, significantly. And I kind of went on a tangent in my brain about like being part of the Yang gang (laughs) again. (laughs) Andrew uh, Yang. Yes, presidential candidate Andrew Yang. <laughs> I just want to make sure I was <laughs> on the same. Uh, yeah, because I was like, you know what? Like thinking about, because um, he mentions like a comparison between Northern European countries um, and what they pay for in like parental leave policies or childcare or, you know, parenting classes or like activities or um, supports basically for young parents to navigate being first-time parents or whatever age their child, you know, there's resources for parents, basically. Um, And so they end up paying much less to incarcerate anybody um, than America does because they invest in, like, all this, like, early childhood development and parenting support stuff. And so I was just thinking, like, what a universal basic income could do for, like, early parents because how much of, like, stress and, like, trauma for, like, young parents is, like, the financial burdens of, like, am I going to make it to work if my kid is sick? You know, all these things that, like, this American system really, like, has disadvantaged young middle and, like, lower class families um, or parents in how they navigate kind of what comes next. And so I think that there's just something deeply broken in our system because of like how much like that impacts like what comes next. Like, you know, people who are struggling in a bunch of different ways are not going to be able to like have self-compassion to be patient. Like you got to kind of like pour from a full cup and, you know, uh, America just like the, the, the structure we have to empty everybody's cups. And so just made me really think about what we could do to better support families so that they could better take care of the kid in the way that makes the most sense for them so that they could, you know, <laughs> not traumatize children. And then we would have a slightly better society, maybe. Oh, like prevention, uh, like prevention methods. Like why is that totally. so less funded than like the stuff after the fact? Yeah. Not that the like stuff that comes later shouldn't be supported as well, but it's like, if you know that certain interventions help dramatically, yeah, why not do them? Um, but I mean, that's a whole, I'm sure like political discussion around what we support in this country. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, but that was just like what I was thinking where it's like, you know, as crazy as like that kind of like sounded first to me, like a universal basic income, that didn't sound that crazy to me. Um, but you know, it does kind of like ring shocking when you're kind of grown, born and raised in this kind of like American psyche of pick yourself up by your bootstraps um but then you think like what what how materially that could help people um and the impacts of it was just a thing I was thinking about during that section of this book um because yeah I think that that's like a real piece of this too um one of the um things that I really um another thing that struck me and maybe this will be my homework for next time is I've really tried like with meditation like so hard for so many years and it's just like very difficult um and 
he explains why med- like meditation works and what it does and the fact that like he explains like the left brain which is like more executive function like and then the right brain that's more emotional or kind of this more reptilian brain like basically meditation helps you almost in a way it feels like strengthen the left brain to when you have those moments of panic or stress or anxiety to kind of like recognize what is real distress and he uses this analogy of the fire alarm like what is a true fire or like when your smoke alarm goes off is it because there's a true fire or is it just maybe like you burned something on the stove and um that your left brain can help modulate that but like meditation and he talks about some other techniques in the book but help kind of strengthen that and so I was like oh I was like that's why everyone's been trying to get me to meditate for so long (laughs) or like to do mindfulness or um you know he talks about yoga a lot as well in the book and I'm like oh that's why those things there's people like them (laughs) and I should go back to them like I go through phases but it's something I feel like I should go back to yeah. Uh, I was thinking the same thing about like yoga and like, you know, I have, I go, I pay for a fancy gym membership and I never go to the classes. Like I just don't want a space to go that's outside of my house to, to work out. Um, but I do feel like I should start going to those yoga classes, um, for this exact reason. Um, and like the yoga particularly, like, you know, a real theme of this book is like the mind body relationship is like both like very real and very strong. And so like what your body senses, like your mind will figure out a store, a narrative to, to tell you um, about what's happening or like how to kind of protect you. Um, and so your body and brain are working together to protect you, to make sure that you like survive. And so yoga is like a way to like better integrate like your mind body connection. And I feel like I, certainly was somebody who like had a lot of disconnect in my mind and body. Like, I think that there's been a lot of times in my life where it's like, you know, my mind is great and terrific and like, you know, bright and shiny. And then my body is just like the thing that carries my mind around in. Um, and I'm sure that that was like a useful tool for me at various points, but like, I really like started to recognize that like that disparate like view of myself is like, not ideal (laughs) and like not not the direction like I'm going at like I'm feeling much more like connected but it's like oh I'm I'm probably still like repairing some of the damage of that like era of like thinking that these were like two separate parts of me and one was good and one was bad um and how do I better like connect the two and feel at home in both of them um which is why I was like I should get back to yoga (laughs) because I'm not yoga since the pandemic because I can't do it at home (laughs) I did find, um, cause I also like, I prefer going to the studio cause I feel like at home, I just, I don't really do it as well, but, um, there's this one yoga channel I found our yoga YouTube channel by this lady. It's called Sarah Beth yoga. Um, Ooh. and she does really, what I like is her videos are short, love a 10 minute, 20 minute, 10 minute, and they're not super intense. Like it's more about like, yeah, like physical sensation or stretching. It's not like a workout right. in the like burn. Right. The- calories in like a hot yoga studio. And I really, so I don't know, I've been doing a couple of those here and there. Um, and I like that because yeah, it's more about like, how's your body feeling or just kind of moving it very slowly rather than, um, this like workout class. Cause I, I feel like there was also with the yoga trends, there was also this like, oh, you have to be super flexible. And like, then my competitive nature is like, oh, look at that person in the class, like doing a headstand and I can't do that. And I know that's not the point of yoga, but it's definitely something that happens to me when I'm in yoga class that I have to also 
I feel like I've gotten better from that because I had a friend who was a yoga instructor um, who was like fat, black and disabled. And she was a yoga instructor and she's like, ah, we can get it. Like if you have a yoga teacher who doesn't have props and they are not a good yoga teacher. I was like, what, <laughs> what? I could just have props all the time. It's not That's just restorative best. yoga where props are allowed. <laughs> um, and so I felt like it was really nice to have that as like a, a very accessible way. Cause I, I am not flexible. I don't think I've ever been flexible, um, but I'm trying like dumb, not dumb mobility. It's very good mobility work now, but I'm like trying to take care, better care of my joints because I feel like stationary too long in a chair all day. Um, and I got to be better about like taking good care of my joints. I've been doing mobility and so now I feel like that's an easy gateway drug into yoga again. I hope I'm going to try. <laughs> um, but having like that as an example, that's to bring it back, having somebody as an example of like yoga bodies don't look a certain way. It's yeah. not just like beautiful blonde women on beaches, like, um, and like, you know, it, there's more to it. Um, like the matching breathing with the poses is like the important part of yoga, which like I had never really been taught in kind of um, like more superficial, the yoga type studios, like, you know, this kind of Western version of yoga. Um, so kind of getting that breath body connection, I think is maybe where I start with this endeavor. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking because I'm like, I don't feel like sometimes I'm very in touch with my body. Like he and he talks about that, how like people who have suffered trauma are so out of touch and like can't even like identify where they feel certain things or like how they feel. And like, I've definitely felt that way where like, you know, in therapy, your my therapist will ask, well, like, where are you feeling this? Or like, what are you feeling? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. In a freezer so, in the garage is not in my body. <laughs> <laughs> and so like being more aware of that, but, um, I, th I like how he also talks about some of the physical symptoms of like trauma, just like how it can manifest in terms of like disease, disease or illness, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, that there is like this important link between the two and that your body is trying to tell you something, um, which again, I also feel like is a new thing for me that has helped over the past few years as I've dealt with a few different, like, um, sim like physical symptoms of different things. And it's like, okay, well, why is this manifesting itself? Like right now I'm going through really bad TMJ. Um, and it's been really bad for like over a year and it's like, okay, well, there's probably some stress, like there's something that has made it work. I mean, I've always been prone to it, but something has definitely made it worse. Right. And I don't know, maybe that's all like mumbo jumbo, but I do feel like there's, yeah, there's connections. I don't know. Yes. I don't feel like it's mumbo jumbo. Um, I feel like we don't always recognize it for what it is right away. But like, I do think that like, for sure, like the connections like exist. Um, and like, you know, we, we've talked, we talked about this in burnout where it's like your body like reprioritizes different parts of like um, your system when you respond, like fight, flight or freeze. Um, like teaches your body kind of like how to triage information and react accordingly. Uh, and so I do think that there's like parts of that that are happening in real time. Um, and like flare ups of like all sorts of things I think are real. And like, I feel like I noticed like, um, like thinking about like trauma response stuff, like it just is like 
feels super disjointed until like the light bulb goes off and like you see it kind of like, oh, I see now how my body made these connections <laughs> and did all these things. <laughs> Our bodies are smarter than we think they are. I think Yeah, so I'm realizing like, oh, it's trying to tell me something. And there, there's one, there's one quote from a lady who starts to do yoga about something about like, she's like, you know, my body is trying to tell me something and I'm, I'm here to listen. And it's like, yeah, maybe the reason, maybe your body knows even before you're cognizant of it or conscious of it. That's yeah. Um, like, you know, the TikTok girlies that will talk about doing certain like yoga poses, like particularly like hip poses that, and they just like start crying. Um, I do think that there's like a connection of like, uh, both like the vulnerability of like the pose, but also like focusing like your breath and like the feeling, the stretch and like whatever is all happening. I do think that like, sometimes like the, the, like the tear response and like the crying response happens like before, like your, you could, your brain can catch up. Like your body has figured it out first. Um, which I think is interesting, but yeah, I agree. I very much agree. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Traumatized people chronically feel unsafe inside their bodies. Um, and I feel like that's like a part of it too, where it's like trusting your body to do X, Y, or Z. Um, it all kind of like adds to like the layer, the layers of this. And like, you know, certainly speaking from someone who has not had like a severe trauma, just like classic. Well, again, it's all relative. Like, <laughs> right. Not, so. uh, yeah. I, I just didn't want to like speak to like, um, you know, more severe end of like the spectrum. But like I do sometimes like my body will react to stress or threats in a way that like are what eventually cues my brain in to like, wh like, why is my heart racing right now? Like what, what has happened? Like what, why am I suddenly like aware where the exits are? Like, you know, it's just like little, um, things where like my body will process information so much faster than my brain could connect the dots. Sometimes I feel like our bodies are just trying to like outmaneuver our brains because our brains are getting in the way. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. I, I mean, I think that's back to the like narrative that you can tell yourself of like why things are happening. Right. Yeah. Um, but until you like, th that was something in, that he talks about like until you deal with the body part of it like you'll never really fully basically be able to move on yeah um and I thought this stuff around like touch especially like physical touch being really important whether it's like massage therapy or like having you know why hugs are really important or just um you know being comfortable with touch is like was also really um I thought it changed my view of like why that's so important, you know? Um, yeah. I also, and to like the same point, like the, um, he talks a lot about pets as therapy um, where it's like, you know, we're mammals. Oh, so like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, it might've been like a, just a little section too. Um, but he talked about people, children in particular who'd gone through like extreme trauma. Um, and like, there was the case of one girl who was like nonverbal, um, and she got put into a program where she was in charge of like grooming a horse and then also got to do like some introductory, like dressage lessons or whatever. Um, and over time, like her connection with like the horse was like 
really valuable and like she started to talk and like she started to make friends like at this like horse camp with like other kids who were there doing stuff and like it was like a, a way for her body to like reintegrate into like she could care for this animal and like they could build a relationship and even though like it was a horse and a, a girl like um the connection that they built kind of rewired her into like how she could trust and connect and then to have that as like the subject for what she talked to other people about like gave her like an easier entry point into like what her recovery was so they talked about how um particularly like dogs and horses were valuable for people uh like as therapy uh touch therapy to kind of like rebuild and like rewire those communication um whatever uh, skills in our bodies, I guess. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like a good and interesting thing to, and like, like once like he outlines it kind of dives into it, you're like, Oh man, like I could see that. Um, but it's like really interesting to see like the science and like the, the data that they have to kind of support it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, Oh, well that makes sense now why so many people have dogs and why, um, they say dogs are man's best friend. Um, woman's best friend, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it's like, oh, there's like actual support for that. Um, and I thought that that was was interesting. And I I guess part of me is a little bit surprised that this came out in, I think, 2014. So almost yeah. 10 years ago. And I just feel like I haven't, like, we're still very slow to adopt some of these different um, approaches as a, at least like one, like integrating them into like or at least from what I, my experience has been, it's like, it's primarily been therapy or pharmacological, is that a word? Pharmaceutical sure. intervention. Yeah. Um, and yes, there's more about like meditation, breath work, you know, yoga gets suggested, but like even the stuff around MDMA or some of the other um, EDMR, which I had also not heard about, like I've never really like been exposed to that or, or have that even like brought up as like a potential option? Yeah. Um, I will admit EDMR didn't like appeal to me like as much, like I kind of was just like about that part of it just because that was like less um, compelling to me as some of the other parts of the, the book. Um, but it is, oh, let's like confirm what it is so that people know what we're saying. I, I have zero recollection of the, what it stands for. Um, your eye you like think about a memory and your eyes follow eye movement uh desensitization desensitization and reprocessing um so it's a type of psychotherapy that treats emotional symptoms that follow trauma such as ptsd um yeah and so yeah Okay, Another sorry. one is writing. Like we talked, um, I think we talked about that offline before we started, but that writing, why writing is so helpful. And he talks about that and like journaling. And now I'm like, oh, again, like something else that people kind of loosely suggest, but now he, there's more like robust science, I think, behind like how it works or why it works and being able to process um, different emotions or trauma. So I will say that that has, I've like started to, I don't really love to journal in the like, you know, write long sentences about my day and like, but I like making lists or just like jot down like very quick notes. And I find that that is very, very helpful. Um, yeah. The heading of that chapter was language, miracle and tyranny. I thought that was a good title. Um, I am not a consistent journaler. I am like a journaler to solve a problem. 
um, in my brain. Like I just need to like sit there for a minute and like try to articulate what I'm trying to say because internally my internal monologue will like stop too soon. And if I have to like write it out, then like it forces me to kind of complete my thought, which is great. Um, yeah. And I, journaling for sure. Like, I, I think that that has been like a tool that I have personally like found super useful, um, like forcing myself to articulate the feelings um, gives me like the patience to like find the right word or to like better describe what I'm feeling um, in ways that don't happen as easily in like conversations or even just like trying to like think it through. I feel like I, I will rush past the painful part in my brain. And if I have to write it down, it kind of forces me to complete it and then I can release it, I guess. Um, well, sometimes yeah. I don't even know like the emotion. And one of those things that's been helpful is like, there's these emotional, I don't know what they're called, but I'm going to call it like an emotional wheel or something. Mm-hmm. And I think there's one in, I had read Brene Brown's like Atlas of the Heart, where she goes through the different emotions and feelings and kind of how they're similar or distinct. I didn't get through that whole book, but it was interesting. Um, but anyways, there's these wheels that you can look at and it will start with like a bigger bucket of emotion, like sad. And then it will whittle down to like, well, what kind of sad, like melancholy or like, you know, um, maybe feeling like, uh, discouraged or, you know, and it'll like, kind of like slowly kind of route you to a more narrow or descriptive, um, emotion. And I found those really helpful. I should do that more. I don't know. Maybe like I'll print one out or something, put it in my journal. Yeah. I think I, that, that's actually a really good idea is printing out and putting it in the journal. Um, I'm going to make myself for my own note to self. Yeah. I feel like that's a piece where I'm uh, notoriously bad because I would like to just present uh, happy and easygoing emotions because that is a safer emotional lane to be in. Uh, And so I feel like when I get uh, out of my kind of equilibrium, I usually know how I got there. But also I will feel frustrated and then it turns out I'm just very angry and I just am scared to be angry about things. And so frustrated feels a little bit more comfortable until I acknowledge. So it's really like the TLDR for me. I'm secretly just really angry. (laughs) Well, here's a curveball that my therapist threw at me the other week is if you're angry, it's because there's always sadness or grief underneath. Oh yeah. Uh Oh gosh. Totally. Yeah. Anger is also more comfortable than uh, pain. And so, yeah. and anger is still very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> um, well, <sighs> any, other, yeah. any other thoughts or things we didn't cover? Yes. Final thought. Well, I mean, it could be final thoughts. I don't want to rush us, but no. like um, kind of towards the end, like the, uh, the last section of the book is like paths to recovery because it kind of like paints a dire picture throughout the book. Obviously. Um, <laughs> it's like, Oh, some of the stories are truly horrific. Like some, some of the trauma stories are, are they like, really wow. are. Um, yeah, real tough. And then, um, you know, sometimes you just like meet someone you're like, Oh, this is just like a ding dong out in the world. Um, and then like you uncover like the, the, the depth of the trauma. You're like, Oh geez. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were ding dong. Um, <laughs> and so, because of how I think um, 
dire some of these like cases are like i'm glad that he ended with this kind of like path forward um suggestion um and so that's where the writing stuff comes in that's where the yoga stuff comes in edmr came in there too um but i thought that the one that i i find to be particularly valuable is like creating structures um and like how much like connection is a part of like the path um to healing trauma and like you know part of like back back to like hugs and like feeling connected and close to people and having like structures around you to like support your recovery or like connection to people um as like a valuable tool i think is very important um like generally and then also like specifically in the context of like trauma recovery uh and like being able to like you know not everybody has a thing that they're going to want to talk to just like any stranger they meet but like being able to develop close relationships with people to help like talk through like what your sticking points are or like where you struggle um and then like have someone who like you care about and cares about you kind of like help you navigate that I feel like really like lightens the load in like a meaningful way and like I'm like a lazy person intrinsically so like am I going to commit to yoga three times okay, a week well, I'm gonna probably push back. not I'm going to okay. push back on you on that one. Like, I'm just going to call you out because I don't think that's true. Okay. I'll talk, but okay. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, well, I've yet to prove to myself that I could do yoga three times a week for a consistent amount of time. Um, but I definitely feel like I can and do like rely on like circles of friends um, for like support and care. And like that has been, I think, essential to like my like emotional well-being. Um and particularly like notable during the and after and during because it still is the pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was like the last piece I kind of just wanted to name before we wrap. Yeah, I mean, I my I kind of shared what I thought about it, but I I think it's a great read. I do recommend people pick it up. I think it's worthwhile. Um, yeah. and to stick with it if the if the beginning is a little tough. Um, I yeah. think there's some yes. really interesting insights into it. So check out that table of contents. Yeah. Flip to the section that you are interested in. And then if that catches you, then you can flip around a little bit more. Um, I do feel like I might need to like uh, review it again and think about some, some pieces. Like, I think I was like, you know, not like going super fast, but I was like, kind of like trying to like, you know, finish my assignment. <laughs> um, and I think that kind of your going book back, report, <laughs> you literally, um, and I think that kind of going back with curiosity and like, this is the theme in the book too, like, uh, approaching your body with curiosity and not fear is like valuable. And I think kind of going back to this with like some curiosity would also be like useful for me, um, rather than just like, um, I need to again, be a performer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. I thought it was a great book. It really interesting. I, some pieces had made their way into my brain already. Some pieces of information were brand new, which is nice. I love that. I am um, sorry. I should have said this at the top, but I have to run to drop Matthew off for an appointment. Yeah. But, um, before we end and all, I can edit this part out, but I just wanted to pick our next book. Yeah. Um, which I would like to make a case for how to calm your mind by Chris. Done. Case made. Okay. Cause I'm like, I've been reading it and I really like it. And I'm just like curious what your thoughts are. So perfect. Let's do I it. I shouldn't have said I like, I should have just gone in unbiased, but oh, well, anyways. Who cares? <laughs> this is for us. <laughs> but this was a great one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This and is I'm great. Sorry about the abrupt ending. No, um, no worries. We were landing this plane anyway. So it worked out great. 
Um, and you saved me from talking in circles as I organize my thoughts. <laughs> um, this was wonderful. I uh, be ready to talk about self-compassion next time we meet. Okay. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Same. Bye, yeah. everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.